0: Hello crisis talkers and welcome back to a very special episode of crisis talk actually one could say we have a bit of a special guest today uh spoiler alert it's the mayor of manchester with us and we're going to be talking about some issues affecting the black community and going kind of more towards the sources of how we can fix some of these issues we're going to look into uh operation black vote leadership program uh, the equality panel that has also started in Greater Manchester and look into some of the policing issues in Greater Manchester. But anyways, guys, you already know who it is. It is the outrageous one. We'll see Angie, let's get it.
1: Yeah, um, and it's me and like always, I'm very excited. I'm actually really excited about this episode today because this is amazing. Um,
2: yeah. And what's good people? It's your girl, Lisa. And it's always lovely to have a guest Never mind the Mayor of Manchester, so thank you for taking the time out to speak with us today.
3: Anyway, oh, you're welcome. Really so, great to be with you all.
2: Brilliant. Um, just before we get into it, Mr Andy, obviously, some of us already know you already, but for our listeners that have no idea what a mayor actually does, give us a brief introduction of you, your title, and I guess where you're up to um, with the elections coming up and stuff.
3: Yeah, thanks, Lisa. So I, I am Andy Burnham. Uh, I'm the first elected mayor of Greater Manchester elected in 2017. Before that I was a Greater Manchester MP for 16 years, uh, MP for Lee. Um, so it's an amazing job to be honest. It's uh, a privilege to do it because um, there is no better city region uh, than ours, I don't think. Uh, and I'm kind of responsible for everything that has anything that has Greater Manchester in its name is a good way of thinking about it. So transport for Greater Manchester. Greater Manchester Police, Greater Manchester Fire and Rescue Service. So those are obvious things that I I deal with. But uh, more broadly, I tackle issues like homelessness. Um, I've prioritised support for young people. In many ways, I can get involved in whatever I like. I don't always have all the powers to deal uh, with all of those issues in the way that I would like. But the thing about a mayor is people people don't want you to say to them, if they raise something, oh, well, that's not my responsibility you know, I do have a, and because of the profile of the role, I have the opportunity to work pretty much on any issue working with our councils. So, though I have defined powers, I kind of also have a broader role, if you like, over pretty much all aspects of life in Greater Manchester.
2: Brilliant, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, for our listeners, that's Mr. Andy Benham, and that's what uh, a med does. Um, so, let's get straight into it. Firstly, we're going to discuss statements that were made by the GMP um i think this came after the um the passing of george floyd um and the first statement that we just wanted to kind of cover with you was we commit to strengthening our dialogue with the black community and working with operation black votes leadership program to improve improve representation so i guess our first question around that is what has actually been done um to strengthen our dialogue with the black community
3: yeah so just to say something about that statement that we issued um, after the death of george floyd and all of the um events that unfolded i think there was a general feeling amongst myself and the 10 leaders of greater manchester that you know we maybe people see a lot of lip service being paid but not a lot of action and that was certainly the kind of uh, message i think that was coming through from uh from a number of our communities but particularly the, the black community so we decided back then to you know, go up a level really and get more into the space of acting rather than just saying. So the first thing that we've done, uh, and um, it is quite a significant thing, we've fast tracked uh, the establishment of a race equality panel for Greater Manchester. So in the second half of 2020, you know, we did all of the adverts, the recruitment, and it's now in place um it's um a big step forward i think with regard to our focus on issues relating to race equality uh, in in greater manchester so it's had its first couple of meetings it is kind of finding its feet but my hope is that um the panel will make a real uh real difference uh in in the in the the years to come just one thing specifically uh, the chair of the panel elizabeth cameron um She was involved in the recruitment of our new chief constable. So, you know, in some ways, that's a a small thing in the great scheme of things. But nevertheless, it shows how already different people are in the room when big decisions are being are being taken. And um, I think that's what we want more of uh, using devolution in Greater Manchester to open up decision making, uh, involve uh, people from all communities, but particularly the black community. And And I'll be really clear about this. It is obvious. If you work in Greater Manchester, how underrepresented the Black community is in uh, senior levels of not just politics, actually, but public services, business, and that needs that needs to be changed. Uh, and so, I can talk more about how we, we plan to change that. In the
1: Greater Manchester Independent Inequalities Commission
3: report, it said you guys wanted to act more. So, what are the actions? No, absolutely, me, it's the right question. So, there was a member of our commit of that commission. Lord Simon Woolley, um, who will be known to people as a leading voice in Operation Black Vote, and has been for many years, and actually has been you know, incredibly um, uh, influential in, in a number of number of ways. So I, I was talking to him throughout last year about our response um, to, to Black Lives Matter, and he was then he then served as a member of that Independent Inequalities uh, Commission, and there is a clear commitment within it. To um, working with Operation Black Vote to establish a leadership and mentoring program, um, and I'll give you a sneak preview because it's not published yet. But my manifesto is out this week, and the manifesto <laughs> will accept that recommendation, um, and we will establish it. And the idea is, it's it's basically, as the way I see it, is to open doors that are currently closed. You know, we we need to kind of open up opportunity in a much more significant way. Um, to politics, to business, to law, to the media, and the aim is to work with Operation Black Vote to, to do that, to create um, specific opportunities um, for people to gain experience at a senior level within those industries. Uh, and you know, we're talking about you know, all members of the of the, of the community. Um, so it's quite exciting, really. I mean, I think it's it's much needed in Greater Manchester, um, as I say. The underrepresentation is. Um, is is unacceptable, and I, I you know I hope that this can bring some change. The critical thing I think is to design it with the community, with people. You know what I need to understand what are people actually looking for in terms of opportunity, um, and and that's something we'll do as well. You know I I
0: feel that's really that that's that's really a uh, you know good initiative that's that's being put out there. And one thing that just comes to my mind is how can you know this appeal to like the everyday black person who maybe you know can feel somewhat disappointed in their system how, how can you appeal to maybe people who have
3: lost faith in i fully understand that and as i say i kind of touched on it in answer to lisa really you know that kind of sentiment that came through last year that people were just tired of the words you know I mean, there was just a real strong sense of that and the action never has quite lived up to the words has it um i think that's um that, that's very evident uh, to, to me. I mean, I don't want to be too hard on Greater Manchester because I think there is a genuine belief amongst our communities, amongst our leaders, amongst our politicians in equality and diversity. I mean, it's not fake, it's real. But obviously, sometimes the actions are harder, aren't they? And I, so I understand why, um, you know, people feel um, kind of alienated from from the political uh, system. So the, the Operation Black Vote uh, programme is obviously meant to be a tangible... Um, example of the change that we want uh, to bring I have been talking to um, people within the community around a more community-led approach to tackling issues related to um, youth youth violence so we just trust communities more to uh, take more control of those of those issues and that's something that um, I intend to to pursue if if Um, re-elected I just think there's on a whole range of things there's you know, the whole question of policing, obviously, will come on to that. I'm sure. Uh, we we just need a much higher level of transparency about the use of police powers against uh, different communities. So we are currently our race equality panel is currently looking at the first draft of a race equality and policing report, which we're committing to to issue on a regular basis on an ongoing basis. Um, what we didn't want to do is just throw it out there before it's been properly considered if you like by the by the panel but it will be put out there and it'll become a regular uh, report i just think we need a different different discussion than the one that's been had don't we with one based on evidence based on facts where people can challenge uh and so all of these things we you know we are i am committed uh, to doing and they are they are part of the manifesto that i'll be i'll be bringing
1: I just wanted. To, I just wanted to um add to that because I think um from what I from what from your history and what I know, you're very um keen on working and engaging with young people, especially seen with um the two thousand and seventeen like the 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 change in travel, which was really really good and helping people get to young people get to schools. Um, I've got two things um in, in regards to that. Do you do you plan on on Getting young people to be actually engaged in these conversations, to be in these rooms when you're talking about, um, you know, policing in schools and stuff. And then um, my second um, question, I guess, would be um, when, because you've done such great work in terms of travel, in terms of like the education and the attainment gap and stuff like that for young people. Um, how 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 do you plan how how uh, in terms of education in in Greater Manchester how do you plan to make it um, more equal for for people of minority?
3: Yeah, they're really critical questions, both both of those. So, I mean, I am somebody who does um, value the voice of young people. It's not a fake thing, just to you know, create yeah. a youth combined authority just to sort of pat it on the head, you know? Yeah. When, no, um, I,
1: I can see that, especially with your engagement with Sam earlier. Like, like it was very real how... how you, oh, yeah.
3: Sam played a big part in the development of our pass. So that was the free bus pass um, yeah. linked to free opportunities. And I think it was going to become more valuable to people as we come through this period, you know, with with all of the challenges that everybody has got. Young people actually designed that. You know, I, they designed it, they brought it through. Um, so... That's one example of you know, how I do actually you know, value, value the, the, you know, the, the voice of young people. But more than that, we actually want to give them a specific you know, job of designing what, what they need. On the question of police and schools, I know it's a, I know it's a sensitive one, and I'm always open to listen. Um, I, they, they have been successful over the years. I think there's one at Wright-Robinson, a school-based police officer. And I certainly remember when I was the MP for Lee, we had them... Uh, in schools Wesley High School and um, uh, Fred Longworth in Tilsley. But I understand how it can be maybe seen differently in different communities. So on that issue, when I mean, we will never impose a, 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 you know, a police officer on a school that doesn't want one, definitely not. The call for them has come from head teachers in particularly in Manchester. So a number of head teachers said they feel they could benefit from having one. So obviously we have to respond to, 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 to what, what the head teachers are saying. What I have said is, it would have to be with the consent of um, students and parents, you know. So we're not just going to impose one. I mean, the whole idea of that policy is to break down some of the barriers between young people and the police. You know, it's not, it's not intended to criminalise or, or, or send a message about, you know, the, the, we, we think young people are criminals. Therefore, we're putting the police officer. It's not like that. It's not meant to be like that. The policy is meant to be much more about support um, and, you know, dialogue. Uh, but as I say, we, we will we will act very carefully on that. Turning to the kind of broader question about opportunity within education. And um, I mean, one example of something we're bringing through or have worked on is a, a care leavers guarantee. So for young people who've been in care, local authority care, we are committing to a series of things that we will um, uh, guarantee for them. So priority access to housing, they are passed until the age of 21, um, a mentor that they can uh, always call on 24-7, um, free prescriptions. So those things will be kind of Greater Manchester-wide for care leavers up until the age of, some of them apply until 21, some apply until 25. So, so that's something that, we're, uh, something that we're doing. You know, I, I mentioned before around the, the um, Operation Black Vote Leadership and Mentoring Programme. We, we, we've created something called GMAX, which is Greater Manchester Apprenticeships and Career Service. And the idea is it's meant to be a kind of a localised version of the UCAS system, if you like, but for work-related opportunity. Do you, do you know what I mean? So if you go to university, it's all very clear, isn't it? You know, UCAS, and you, all know, you know what you've got to do. If you're looking for a work-related opportunity in Greater Manchester, it's not as clear at all. And it's often the case that parents, people with parents, with connections, get the best work experience. And So GMAX is intending to sort of break that down. And I'm particularly interested how... We might open up some of the best work experience and work shadowing opportunities via Gmax to again underrepresented uh, communities. So <laughs> lots of lots of ideas there. Um, but through all of it, I'd be you know wanting to sort of work work with um, work, work with young people on it. There's one other thing that's in the manifesto that is worth mention, me mentioning to you. We are bringing forward a proposal um, to to help all under twenty fives online in Greater Manchester. We, we kind of think that the pandemic experience has kind of changed the way digital is viewed. You know, not desirable, now essential if you're wanting to connect with opportunity and get on in life. Uh, but we also know that, um, you know, obviously Marcus Rashford revealed this. You know, a lot of young people don't have the basics in Greater Manchester food, uh, but also connectivity is a basic, I would say. And yet, you know, when, when the government failed to provide laptops to, to young people in schools closed. I think it revealed to us how many do not have, not just devices, but uh, data as well, you know, everyday connectivity. So we're gonna make a big commitment about all under 25s online. Uh, and that of course means a policy of that kind is kind of focused on those who don't have it, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. So, you know, we don't have to worry about the three quarters of young people who are online, whose parents can support them to be online. It's a policy that will take us to the. Quarter or twenty-five percent of young people who are not online, and sadly, they are overrepresented in some of our, our poorer communities. Yeah. You know, and um, they,
0: I'm curious. Oh, sorry, Lisa, I, I'm, I'm just curious as to how you would go about identifying the ones who are not online. To then, Evan, then how would you fulfil them? Is it providing a laptop, or is it maybe getting them
3: computer clusters or something like that? It's a good question, William. I've actually been thinking about it over the weekend. So schools can help us identify let's say school age young people who are not online or colleges can. So that is, is perfectly possible to be, to be done. You know, if, uh, if somebody is not able to learn at home, you know, their school or college will know that and then they can work with us to see if we can find a solution for them. But, but more broadly, I was thinking that I'm just gonna make it an application system. So if somebody is under 25 and can't, isn't online every day because they can't afford it, what I'm thinking of doing is creating a system where they can just apply to say, can I be helped online? Um, and then we will come in and see what it is that they need. Because in every case, it might be slightly different. It might be a, a, a device issue for some people. It might be a, a skills issue for, for others. It might be, a, uh, a, as I say, a data issue. So it's an interesting idea. It's one of the new bits of thinking in our manifesto. And um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a good one because it's a, I'm always interested in policies that support everybody, you know, so take away the inequalities that we've got between people but at the same time promote our digital ambitions as a city region, our industrial ambitions, you know, because if we've got all 125s online, we're making a big statement there, aren't we, about being, you know, the country's leading digital city region, which increasingly we are. So that's, yeah, that's the thinking. That's good to hear. That's good to hear.
2: Yeah, um, thanks for that, Andy. And um, you did mention a bit about the race and equality panel, which is great. I've heard... um a bit of information around that which sounds slightly progressive but i guess my question was kind of around the remits of the panel which obviously includes educational inequalities and achievement employment and marketing inequalities as well as financial inclusion and poverty so i kind of want to cover the basis of um educational inequalities and achievement um how does the theme of education inequality align with 20 new police officers being deployed Um, across Greater Manchester and I asked this question purely from a report that came from Kids of Colour um, that obviously highlighted the discrimination that exists within classrooms and the relationship that predominantly people of colour, especially Black people, they've had with police officers in their schools hasn't been the best, hasn't been great. Now obviously as a Black woman my fear is having more of these police officers when we're not dealing with the racism and the discrimination and some of the adversities that exist between um, community black communities and the police is then going to be, I guess, radiated even further across Greater Manchester schools. So I guess, yeah, my question is, how does that align with what the Race and Equality panel aim to do?
3: So that's, a, uh, again, a brilliant question, uh, Lisa. So I am well aware of the campaign and I understand absolutely what the concern is, you know, and you've expressed it really, really clearly just then. So I'm I'm, I'm aware of the campaign and it's been a really strong campaign and it's raising a lot of, you know, legitimate issues that need need to be discussed and need an answer. The way I see it, though, and this is, you know, this is my my view, there are issues clearly uh, where, you know, you have the Black community which suffers a disproportionate use of police powers. I mean, that is a fact all over the country, actually. And it's no different here. You know, the figures, when you see them, will, will show that. So the question is, what, how do you address that? My view is it won't be addressed and understood by kind of like pulling away from the police, if you like, and it being a sort of a, you know, a kind of a distant sort of relationship. I think GMP will be better if they understand much more how black students feel, either within their school or within their their community, how it feels to be them. So, as I said before, the whole idea of this policy at its best is not about enforcement, actually, it's about dialogue. So, you know, I mentioned before when I was an MP, I had a couple of school-based police officers in my constituency. Now, bear in mind, it was a very different context. You know, it was not inner city Manchester, it was different. However, the police officer never wore his uniform, and he ran a, th- he, he ran a thing called Now To Do, which was a sort of a extracurricular thing you know, after school. But what, what it did was it just created a space where young people could come up and talk to him. You know, And maybe these were young people who were facing bullying, harassment outside of school, and they wouldn't dream- have dreamt to go up to a police officer in uniform on the street. But in that context, where he was running, let's like, say, an after-school aside side or you know, dance or whatever it was it just created a different context in which young people who had concerns could go and talk so that is what's persuaded me that there is merit in this policy and I think it can then create an environment within schools that kind of it can help with un, you know, unruly and aggressive behaviour perhaps you know, which can damage people's educational opportunities if they're intimidated by that but never feel that they can speak up so I, you know, if you have a, a kind of a, an environment that is better to support everybody, not feeling intimidated, I think that is does not that shouldn't be dismissed. But the um, but the, the broader issue here is, I think, the dialogue between young people and the police. And as I say, Lisa, I mean, I would not impose this policy if it was completely opposed by the student body of the school, um, or, or indeed if it was, let's say, there was a, a school where black students weren't, weren't in the majority but were a you know big part of the student population and there was a very strong feeling it shouldn't be it shouldn't be introduced it's as simple as that really so it's a policy by consent is what I would say um but it is a it is the case that some schools already have school-based police officers um you know Wright-Robinson I think being the most uh, well-known and they've always had one they've never not had one and I don't know you know, what students there say about it, you know, if they, if they...
2: I went to Wright-Robinson College and I obviously have my own personal experiences, one with the police officer on hand. hand. Um, I think, yeah, I understand why it may seem like it's really important to bridge the divide between the police officers and um, and students or young people. However, obviously, and this is my personal thought, yeah. as well as those that have um, been involved with the report, that doesn't need to happen. In Mm -hmm. school that kind of bridge or relationship or whatever it it may be can be done outside of the community because as well as obviously police officers and coming into the schools and doing their own sort of engagement they're also going to have their own types of involvement in helping teachers we know in the past the police officers have um, been involved in some of the disciplinaries and which again is not helpful and because when we look at the stats and the statistics it it tends to be black young people black students that um become victim to to that kind of behavior and treatment it's not just about bridging the divide it's also how else are they going to be you know involved but that's just that comment but thank you for expressing that
3: no no thank you for expressing what you've just said sorry because you want to come in but just just to say this i think it's really important for me to to hear what you're saying i have listened to roxy and what she she said I, i you know i i can assure you i have And I I guess what you're saying is it can accentuate unfairnesses within school that you can have outside of school. You can bring that unfairness into school. So, you know, I I kind of I kind of absolutely um, see what you say. I think the the answer is there's there's a longer discussion to be had about it, perhaps at the race equality panel, isn't it? And I think it's maybe an issue where I will ask the panel to take a look at it. Cause it might be how it's done not whether it's done how it's done might be because it will depend on the individual who goes into the school and the way they go about their work and the way the head teacher uses that person so maybe you know i think more discussion and debate is needed probably i think there's, there's
2: definitely good. an opportunity there for me and you to um discuss because i i yeah um in terms of in terms of that because i
1: think how you just presented it how you just presented it in terms of how you had your experience when when you were growing up is completely different to how it is presented now so i feel like what needs to what needs this is just my yeah opinion but i feel like what needs to happen is that there needs to be training for the for the if police are going to be in schools there needs to be training for the police officer or officers on how to approach um Children and children in minority specifically, because we did an episode yeah. of, the, of, of, of on this topic of on crisis talk, and this is what we were saying. Because I, 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 this is now this is my personal belief. I, I'm of the belief that police don't need to be in schools. However, if they are going to be in schools, they need to be in schools in a trained way whereby they can't approach somebody a child how they would approach somebody who was much much older and I feel like that's the that's the distinction in the way in which um police approach and the way in which they deal with um children in schools I know you have to go I just wanted to say um one comment no to I, you. I
3: just wanted for you do for you for yeah. your last thing sorry Palimia, but I just, yeah. you're both making really important points and um I think what we need to do is maybe press the pause button on this policy a little don't we and, and we've got a new chief constable coming in. I think what you've just said is important to me in that I seem to have a view that might be a little bit out of date because of an experience that I had with one. And I am talking about, you know, seven or eight years ago when I had the experience of it. So I understand what you're saying. You know, maybe if this policy is to proceed, it needs to be done with a much higher degree of training, um, with clearer guidelines about what is and what isn't, you know. so. I'm not in any way dismissing what you've, you've, you've both said. And I actually don't dismiss what Roxy's done. I feel p- bad for getting her name on there before because I have met Roxy a few times. So yeah, let, let's take it forward in that way. You know, this, this conversation needs to continue and we perhaps need to press the pause button on this policy for a bit and, um, you know, come up with a way forward that everyone can say, well, okay, well, you know, cause we, I can't deny a head teacher that's saying to us, we want us, you know, you know we've got to respond to yeah. the head teacher Okay. Um, we can't just say no, you know, we're, uh, because often if a head teacher has a problem and they're ringing 999, that isn't a good idea either, you know, and the police compiling into us, you don't want that either. So, you know, so it's, it's, it's complicated, let's say, but I think from the campaign that Roxy's run and what you've both said to me today, it's clear there are concerns that have not yet been adequately addressed. And, you know, we need to press the pause button, have that conversation and see if we can address them. Okay. Wow, that's,
1: that's amazing, that's amazing. I just wanted to say before you go, per- this is just on me to you, because my first introduction to you properly was when you were on um GMB, um, Good Morning Britain, and you were talking about like this was when the lockdown just was happening, and you were really like trying to fight for Manchester in terms of like getting more money and stuff like that. And I just wanted to say thank you for being a good politician, for fighting for the people of Greater Manchester, and just fighting for what's right, I guess. Um it was really nice to see you doing that for the city of Manchester. And this conversation um, that we just had was really amazing as well, to see your openness and to see how um, willing you are um, to have conversation and have dialogue, especially with like organizations like right, kids of color and stuff like that, because what they do is absolutely amazing. So yes, I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you for this conversation as well.
3: Well, that was so nice for you to say that. Thanks, for me thanks to all of you. I've really enjoyed it, to be honest. It's, it's been a really great conversation. And yeah, I mean, I one thing I've learned in my time in politics, I do know how to get my, my voice heard. And when I left Parliament and came into this role, to be honest, I kind of see myself as, as more of a sort of not just towing the party line anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the place. I'm here for the people. I try my best to be a voice for everybody, if you know what I mean, and understand all of our communities. And, you know, I try to relate to all of our, uh, all of our, our community. Anybody who does this role should do that you know that's the the point of a mayor really isn't it to sort of be a true voice for the place and if you you know you're not just speaking for part of the place or some of our communities just you know you, you're you're speaking for everybody and yeah I try i try to do that but you know some of the things i've touched on today we just need to get on and bring them through you know greater Manchester is brilliant but it could be better um in terms of some of the you know the the opportunities we give people so yeah we're we're, we're really we're really ready to, to to push on with all of that so, but anyway, it's been fantastic to to talk to you. all. it has, it really has. And
0: you know, fr- from our interaction, I can tell you you genuinely, genuinely love Manchester, which means a lot from a Manchester-raised kid. You know. Um, but just to a- finish, is she going to win yeah. the league?
3: I'm looking at your poster, William. There. Yeah, that's that- it.
0: You know, unfortunately, Guerrero's a bit washed up, but but I still feel confident <laughs> in us. Um,
3: <laughs> a bit of a wobble but, this weekend, but you'll be all right, I think.
0: You know, but just but just to to finish up, I I, I would just like to get from your perspective where do young black people fit in the agenda
3: at the heart of it so the way i look the way i look at things in life is there's no point somebody doing my job and sticking up for those who've got most and you know playing to the to people who've already got you know the, the way i go about life is you stick up for those who most need support you know that that's that's and it's clear to me that there is still uh, unacceptable levels of discrimination Here you know, we we're just talking about that from a, a policing and crime point of view and also just a, a, a lack of opportunity um, and you know that needs needs to be addressed so you know in some same ways that you know, when I came in as mayor I made a big statement about sort of prioritizing homelessness because what's the point in somebody in my job just speaking to the rich and the powerful and the connected you know some politicians do that but I, I definitely don't and for me I, I am, I mean, you kind what you say about Manchester. I mean, I came back, I went to university like Samuel, I, you know, I went to, um, uh, to, to Cambridge from a state school um, and came back to Manchester in 1991 and tried to get a job, but I couldn't find a job anywhere because my parents weren't actually connected. You know, they, they didn't, you know, they were just kind of quite working class, ordinary people, if you like. And I realised how people I was at university with were getting jobs because of connections, parental connections. So I've always had this sort of thing about—I used to call it kids without connections. You know, it's like that life in this country. I'm afraid is really still—it's hard, so much harder to break through if you're from, well, if you're from the north, number one. But obviously, if you're in the black community, you face an extra layer of discrimination, don't you, in terms of opportunity. And so it's, you know, it's, that's my kind of thing, really. pass was all about that. The, the RPAS is a simple thing, but it was just meant to send a message because obviously the benefit of the pass is much greater, you know, the, the least you have within your family home, isn't it? Because basically it's opening up things for you that your mum and dad possibly can't pay for, can't afford. And so that's what what, what you know I'm all about, to be honest. I'm, you know I'm completely about that. I hate the injustice of people being held back through, you know, no other reason than the postcode of the bed that they were born in. I mean, I just, you know, and last year with the A-level thing, and it, you know that, I, talk about things that infuriated me. I mean, Palumi mentioned the sort of thing, the row we had about the money and them trying to sort of close us down without you know, giving us the support. But I was even more enraged about the A-level situation because basically they rigged the system so that small schools and small private schools often you know, where they have fewer students, they were going to get good marks under that algorithm. But I remember Loretto, they got absolutely battered by that algorithm. And they had something like 20 offers of places at Cambridge and Oxford that were lost if that had gone, you know, that kind of thing just absolutely infuriates uh, me. And um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm all about, you know, young people who find life hardest and therefore most need uh, support to fulfill fulfill their, their potential.
2: Again, thank you so much, Andy. I mean, it's it's great. I think this has been a very nice conversation to have. Um, and I think a bit of stuff has been um established here in terms of evaluating policies and what the next steps are. And I hope for our listeners that are that are part of the black community do feel slightly hopeful. Um, but words are just words. Actions are greater than words. So I think until Whoa! we get to a point where we start...
3: Oh, she agrees. Or yeah, he agrees. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, until we get to a place where we start... You got him action. going
3: there, Lisa. I don't know what it was that he, well, <laughs>
2: It's the passion. It's the passion, Andrew. It's
3: when you said um, action, not words. I think he was all in favour. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, that until we start having those um, conversations and more engagement, especially with um, organisations that are focusing on um you know the demographics of people of color um would be great to have their voices included but just to conclude um guys you've been listening to crisis talk and we've had our special guest our vip if you like um greater manchester mayor andy burnham and um, thank you so much for you know giving us your time to discuss yeah. this and um, it's been absolutely amazing um and also, good luck with your elections coming up. Yes, Just as your luck. final your final words, how important is it for you, for young people, to get in, involved with voting? Um, or if it's important, I was being quite biased there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's, it's really important, isn't it? Because whoever does this job will affect your life in one way or, or another. So, um, you know, why would you let someone else choose for you who's going to have an influence on your life you you should decide who you want to impact on your your life so I won't give you the full party political broadcast but I would say to any young people listening you know if the past means something to you or if you've had it and you want other people to have it then you know I'll, I'll be grateful for support because I will commit to keeping it and you know we'll commit to keeping young people at the heart of our agenda particularly young people who you know as I've been saying today most need fairness in in the way things are done. So uh yeah it's been it's been amazing. I think the I'm, dog was it was when you said action not words because he's he's so used to me saying I'll take you for a walk in a minute. So he clearly uh, was making a point there that you know I'm always sort of prom- <laughs> promising like thing. So when I'm, you said that he was fully agreeing I'm with the ready for more a walk. action Delicious. fewer words.
1: If you if you are re-elected um, I, I think it'll be really good to have you back on Crisis Talk yeah. so we can see any improvements and like, you know, even more engagement with like organizations like Kids of Colour and stuff like that. So
3: yeah, it'll be it'll be good to have you on this conversation. Why don't we have a debate? With Roxy and Kids of Color, on you know, why not a debate but a discussion if you know what I mean on, on this platform after after the election? Um, I've, I've, been,
2: working, I've been working with Kids of Color for the past year, um, and it's just to you know fro- throw you under the bus a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, so you know, if you would like to set up that meeting because I know that we've tried to, um, re-engage with you especially with the a letter that we we wrote to you again um, maybe just it might be just a matter of time and hasn't been great um, but we definitely like to set up that conversation so we can talk more about that um,
3: yeah. and I think what happens Lisa is that we get talks. letters And sorry mm-hmm. to I wasn't uh, but I'm just saying we get a lot of letters and sometimes the you know what we, what we have in our system is there's policies within GM and people will just reply to the letters and, mm-hmm. you, and sometimes you know you, you get, you know, quite a standard response, but that's not, you know, not not justifying it. But I'm saying that's just just how letters can get dealt with at times. Well, what I'm committing to today is let's have a new new dialogue about all of this. Um, yes, I'm more than happy to do it on Crisis Talk. Um, yes, thank thank you. I think We're that'd really be amazing. If it... and this, yeah, hopefully it'll be in person this time because yeah. yeah. yeah.